The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard, a lot later than I wanted to be. It's been a busy day here. A lot going on. I'm trying to get everything done before I go on vacation. You know how that is, right? It's almost like it's almost like a full-time job just to get ready to go on vacation. Got to make sure everything's taken care of, dogs taken care of, properties taken care of. Yeah, it's just a lot to it. Then there's all this other stuff that goes on, all this bureaucracy at times when you get ready to make a big trip. You know, got to take all these tests and things like that. So a lot going on. But the reality of it is, is uh, we've got a show to do. My plan is to do a show tomorrow. Now, if things fall apart and I don't get to go on vacation this week, then we'll be a regular schedule. How about that? But if we do go on vacation, you get a show today, you get a show tomorrow. You won't get one Friday or Monday if I go on vacation. So just be prepared. So you'll be short a couple of shows. You'll learn to miss me. So we'll get back on the saddle uh, Wednesday. But if we don't take vacation, then uh, all this was for nothing. So here we go. Uh, got a lot to talk about. It was Top Dog Camp Friday night. We had a prospect camped on Saturday. Going to kind of break down some things that I saw Mississippi State's picked up a commitment today. We'll talk about that. And, of course, uh, College World Series uh, Final Eight getting set. Interesting. We're not in it. Still have some level of interest in it, but uh, maybe not like we ordinarily would. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of things going on. So I'm going to do my best to, uh, to update you on all of this on today's show. And again, later than I wanted to be, so I apologize. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, some of this may be dated. We might have picked up another commitment, and the uh, final two spots in the College World Series may be filled. So there we go. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I had Bulldog Burger Company for dinner last night. Had the Sloppy Joe sliders with those fabulous fries. Very, 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 very filling meal. Not just for lunch, but for dinner. If you don't feel like a hamburger, I, I suggest go with the Sloppy Joe Sliders. Really, really good. Really, really good. Uh, the rest of the family, let me think here. We had um, we had some spring rolls, for sure. You have to have those. I uh, had the uh, Bulldog Burger with tater tots. And uh, I think we also had uh, the Freshman 15. I think that's right. You can't go wrong with Bulldog Burger Company. It's always a great time. It is a great value. A lot of people out there are reducing their portions and even increasing the price. That's just not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. Still giving you a quality experience at a reasonable price. When you begin to think about the fact that uh, you can go in there and get more than enough, there's very few places in life that afford you that. Most places, you leave, you yeah, could have had a little bit more. No, not Bulldog Burger Company. Very generous portions. Always, always, always worth the value. 
Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street in Tupelo, and then Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check it out. You'll be glad you did and have those spring rolls. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people to go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little Top Dog Camp. It was a bigger camp than uh, they were kind of letting on for it to be, you know, because you have a lot of walk-ups, right? A lot of people don't understand this. You can't have, like, an invitation-only camp. NCAA rules not allow that. But you do have some camps where you want your priority targets there, but it's still open to the general public. And so you can go to healthstate.com, click on football camps, and you can register for these camps and have a chance to compete against the best. And so they don't turn anybody away. It's not like, oh, well, we're going to have this private event, which basically amounts to a tryout. It doesn't work that way. So maybe 75 to 80 were expected. It was probably closer to 150. Things moved really, really quickly. It was very well organized. Uh, The guys all had a chance to get some reps in, learn some things. But uh, let's start with Chris Parson. Current Florida State commitment – Took an uh, unofficial visit with his dad and his brother. His uh, mom's family is uh, here in Starkville. He comes back a lot. This was the first chance he had to tour the Mississippi State campus and facilities. Um, you know, Chris is not going to do a lot of media before Elite 11. He supposedly is going to make an announcement at the finals out in L.A. for the Elite 11. Maybe he reaffirms with Florida State. Not expecting that, but it's a possibility. He grew up a Florida State fan, was really excited when he got the offer. That's one of the reasons that he committed early and went to work, kind of recruiting for Florida State, helped putting a class together around him. And then there was this discussion about a second quarterback in the class that apparently is not what they had told him initially when he committed. And so he's rethinking things. Now, he takes it the visit to Mississippi State, spends over an hour with Mike Leach, then goes to see his grandparents. I don't believe this is like a, a visit of convenience, if that makes sense. I don't think it's just, hey, let me go make an appearance. No, he is rethinking things. Now, that announcement at the Elite 11 Finals could be that, hey, I'm decommitting from Florida State and reopening my, my recruitment. It could be, hey, I'm going to flip to Mississippi State. At this point, I can't say with a lot of confidence that I'm expecting that. I'm not, not, not going to sit here and tell you that uh, – State's not a factor in this thing. We are. But there's a lot that could happen between now and then. One of the things that I was told uh, today is that he is going to take a couple more visits between now and then. So it's not like, hey, he visits Mississippi State and then is shutting things down while he deliberates and considers his next move. So we've gotten him on campus. We put the best foot forward. We rolled out the big maroon carpet for him. And then now we'll see. And he is clearly the guy right now. You know, Brock Glenn was the guy for a while. I suspect Brock Glenn is going to announce for Auburn. He is uh, on the Auburn campus right now, from what I understand. Also told, too, that uh, you know, because Mississippi State and he have not really been quite as chummy here as of late, that Brock is going to drop a new top four that will not include Mississippi State. And that's not to be a surprise to anybody. Because once Auburn got involved, I think in many respects that kind of changed things. Now, the one school I'm told that might throw a wrench in the plans for Auburn is Florida. That Brock Glenn has, you know, an affection for the University of Florida. But we can rest assured at this point it is not going to be Mississippi State. Now, a month ago, I felt differently. 
now his recruitment has blown up. You know, Ohio State recently offered. And so uh, he won't be coming here, and that's okay. Uh, I do know that there are a couple other quarterback names out there that we won't kind of get into right now but because I believe State is invested in the Chris Parsons situation. There will be uh, some quarterbacks on campus this weekend to throw for the staff. There were about 30 this weekend. There were a ton. But Mike Leach and the staff, very, very selective with the offers for quarterbacks. You know, Dan Mullen sometimes would offer quarterbacks basically as an invitation to camp. Because Mullen wasn't going to take any quarterback he hadn't seen throw. I think the only one he did was Cord Sandberg. And, of course, Cord Sandberg ended up uh, playing pro baseball and then bouncing around the football ranks, uh, you know, once he got done playing baseball. But uh, Dan Mullen was the guy that would, wanted you to come to camp. He wanted to see you throw. And then that even included Dak Prescott. And there were a lot of people involved with the Dak Prescott recruitment that were ready for, for State to go ahead and take him. Um, so – that's kind of where we are. Much different scenario now this time. Chris Parson went to camp, didn't have to throw, didn't have to do anything. He's already proven enough. I think Dan wanted to see guys compete and see how they took coaching and things like that. So his evaluation was really based more on, you know, not just the film review, but also the camp evaluation. I think with Mike Leach, it's much different. I think once you have a chance to see guys, like you brought Glenn camp last year. And the next thing you know, he is very much in the conversation for Mississippi State this year. And, hey, you know, credit Mike Leach and uh, Drew Hollingshead for offering that kid early, you know, before his recruitment blew up. It's obviously that, um, you know, Mississippi State's on the right guys. But um, I feel okay about Chris Parson. I don't feel great. I feel okay. I feel maybe on the border of pretty good. But not great. I'm not expecting him at this point. I think we got to see what happens these next two weeks. It had been one thing, like, if he had decided, hey, let me do an interview and kind of, you know, clear the air here, and this is where we are. And they, uh, you know, they, they went to Florida State last weekend, you know, to have the big sit-down meeting. And I don't think that went the way either party wanted it to go, talking with our Florida State guys over there, you know, that, um, you know, unhappy about a two-quarterback class after he's been committed now for the better part of a year. Feels like that, you know, he's kind of had the rug pulled out from under him. And I don't think that's a situation where Chris Parson, you know, is a prima donna or anything like that or scared of competition. Or that. that's, that's what always comes to mind on message boards. Well, he's scared to compete. No, there's a trust issue here. You know, when your coaches say, hey, this is how it's going to be, and then all of a sudden things change, you know, it's just like when Chris Garrett committed to Mississippi State. We've referenced this before. Hey, Chris, you're going to be our guy. We're done. And then we ultimately go out and offer Tyler Russell. I'm like, well, wait a minute. And almost immediately, I'm hearing from the family, well, if this is the case, then we're going to be looking elsewhere. And they did. And then Chris signed with LSU. Didn't work out down there. But that happens a lot. When you make a commitment to a prospect, especially a quarterback, saying, hey, you're our guy, you got to stand behind that. You do. And if circumstances change, you got to make sure that that guy understands that. I remember when uh, – you know, Elijah Staley was a big part of things. You know, he and Nick Fitzgerald were part of a two-quarterback class. And Les Kenning told me after the first spring that Elijah Staley was probably not going to play here. And it wasn't necessarily a shot at Elijah. It was the fact that Nick Fitzgerald had really flourished. You know, Nick was here for bowl practices and uh, obviously couldn't participate in the bowl. 
But Nick was really more of a Dan Mullen quarterback. Nick could handle the running component of this. And so Elijah was like, hey, this guy's coming in to be my backup. I mean, I'm going to be the dude. And so both of those guys were completely okay with the arrangement. And Nick Fitzgerald did not have an offer from UT Chattanooga despite the memes and despite Dan Mullen misspeaking in the uh, post-Egg Bowl press conference. The other offer was Middle Tennessee State. And while he was ready to commit to Mississippi State, he had committed to go to that camp in Middle Tennessee, and he went up there, and then he ultimately committed to Mississippi State. But those are two guys that kind of understood from the get-go it was going to be a a two-quarterback class. And when you're going to take two, the chances of you getting two blue chips are are, are pretty much nil. You know, I guess if Alabama wanted two, there are guys that would think, hey, well, I'll just go up there and do it, you know. But at Mississippi State, you're going to take a developmental guy and arguably a guy that's a little more highly recruited. But the reality of it is this Chris Parsons situation is, you know, according to the things that he has said and according to the things that our sources close to the family have said, is that he feels somewhat betrayed. He was a guy that, um, you know, really – jumped into this situation with Florida State thinking, hey, this is it. This is where I've always wanted to be, and now I'm going to go to work. And now all of a sudden that I've helped those guys build the, you know, the recruiting class, and I've got guys looking at them that weren't even looking at them in the first place, now all of a sudden they're going to bring in another guy at my position. And well, you expect to compete every year because everybody's going to sign a quarterback each year. But the reality of it is when you've got a guy like Chris Parson, uh, you probably just need to kind of hang with what you have. I don't know Florida State's situation, and I, so I won't pretend to speak intelligently about what their roster looks like. I do know that Mike Norvell is a good coach. I know that Mike Norvell did a great job at Memphis, you know, recruiting. It's been kind of a bumpy road at times this year in, in Tallahassee the last couple of years, and he, and he needs a good year, not just on the recruiting trail but on the football field. Uh, so we'll see how things progress there. But, uh, you know, it could be a situation where Florida State's making a coaching change at the end of the year. Yeah, who knows? You know, I guess we'll see. A lot of people think that they're kind of a, a a sleeper this year. I don't know that I agree with that. You know, we'll see. But that's your update on Chris Parson. Now, Mississippi State picked up the verbal commitment of LaFleur County safety Dante Kelly earlier today. Uh, we have been seeing this kind of trend in this direction here in recent days. He is an unranked prospect, prospect by uh, you know, the consensus. There's a lot of people within the uh, composite ranking that have not established him. 247 currently has him as an 84 and a three-star. I think that's a little low. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's a little bit low. And he is a guy that's very raw. But uh, I like him as a defensive back prospect. I think he will be a safety. I think he will be a very punishing safety. Uh, looking through the offer list here, a couple of decent offers. Not n- not an offer sheet that's going to turn your head. But one thing that I would say is Dante Kelly's offer sheet, I believe, is uh, is legitimate. There are a lot of kids out there claiming 30, 40 offers, and they have like five. Uh, but offers from Alcorn State, Arkansas State, Memphis, Mississippi Valley State, Navy, Southern Miss, and Vanderbilt. So mainly mid-majors, but one other SEC offer. I think Dante Kelly is going to be just the first of a very good group of prospects in the Mississippi Delta. They're going to be Bulldogs. Now, I don't think it's going to help us in the rankings. I think it's going to help us a ton on the field, though. 
you know, we'll, we'll get out here and we'll compete and we'll get some, uh, you know, some senior film and we'll try to get these guys reevaluated. But the reality of it is, is these guys are kind of tucked away in an under-recruited area when it comes to recruiting. So they're not going to have a big offer sheets. Uh, but Dante Kelly is a guy that can play at Mississippi State. Jackie Sherrill made mention uh, a couple years ago, maybe last year. One of the biggest mistakes that he made at Mississippi State is he, he quit recruiting the Delta. Yeah. Melvin Smith will tell you. A lot. We, Mike Leach talks about you want to recruit players that need football. Well, that's the Mississippi Delta in a nutshell. A lot of those guys raised up, working hard, understand about sacrifice. This is an opportunity for them to pay for college, a chance for them to kind of change their family tree for the betterment, you know, of their lives and those around them. Uh, and these guys can play football. There is They play a different brand of football in the Mississippi Delta. You guys all saw last year you know, with the Greenville Christian thing, right? I mean, you took some of the best players in the Delta and put them on one team, considered by many the best high school team in America. Well, Dante Kelly stayed at LaFleur County and led those guys to the state championship game for the first time in school history. They lose to Scott Central. But a tremendous season last year for Dante Kelly. And, and he was really good in drills Friday night. And, again, he's going to be a bigger safety. He could be a guy that grows into a linebacker. I mean, he's already 6'3", 200 pounds. But he's running, you know, four, high four fives, low four sixes. And this is a guy that can really play. But also a guy, too, that doesn't have aversion for contact. And when you watch his highlight film, he is very raw. He gets to the spot. Tackling form is not exactly stellar. But the effort is there. Very competitive player. Uh, in the end, it boiled down to state and Vanderbilt. You know, Southern Miss, of course, the first offer. That, that was an exciting opportunity in the beginning. But, uh, you know, he's waited this thing out. And then all the discussion now is that he's done. Now, the next commitment, I believe, will be Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones out of Clarksdale. I've talked about him on this show before. I'm a Kelly Jones fan. A lot of people get they get so bent up with all of this uh, with the offer sheet. Well, he's got this offer and that offer and everything else, and, and that may or may not be true. I, I know this that, um, and I shared this on the jeanspage.com message boards. Coaches lie. Seven on seven coaches lie. Kids lie. Mentors lie. Trainers lie. Everybody lies. And a lot of times they say, hey, tweet out that you've got this offer because maybe if you put out you got a Mississippi State offer, then maybe Southern Miss will offer. You know, there's a lot of people that play the social media game. Kelly Jones is a guy that doesn't have a lot of offers, mostly from junior colleges. But if you look at the tape, that guy is an SEC athlete. I don't know what the hang-up is. You know, maybe he's marginal academically. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. Maybe he is. But when you turn the tape on, you see a winner. You see a guy that can really play. Now, I expected him to be a little bit bigger when I saw him. And I say bigger, more filled out. He is a legitimate 6'3", but he's kind of narrowly framed, kind of in the same vein as Emmanuel Forbes and Martin Emerson, though I think he has the capacity to probably add a little more mass than, than Emmanuel Forbes. But he is the long, lean, athletic corner. He's never really played corner. He's been quarterback and safety throughout high school. And so he gets out there Friday night, playing a position he's unfamiliar with, 
and just tries to compete. And he kept taking rep after rep after rep after rep. Like if a guy didn't want his turn, Kelly wanted the turn. And sometimes it didn't work out. Sometimes he got beat. And he's out there you know, defending junior college receivers at times and other guys that are uh, you know, from more polished programs. You know, he's chasing receivers uh, in man coverage. Maybe not something he's done very often. Mississippi State offered him at the conclusion of camp. I expect that's just a matter of time. I won't be surprised if it happens today. I understand that uh, one of his high school coaches went to go meet with his mom over the weekend to kind of explain the significance of all this. He's like, hey, here's what's going to happen. Okay, he's going to go to Mississippi State. They're going to pay for college, and this is what happens. You don't have to worry about this. And so, you know, for a lot of these young people and their families, this is the first time they've ever had to have these kinds of conversations. And that's where I think the high school coach can be very beneficial. Uh, Kelly has said over and over again, it's a chance to be home, represent his home state. But also, too, you're talking to some of these guys from the Delta. You know, there is a camaraderie there that I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate. You know, we hear about GPS kids, and we hear about kids from the coast, and but there's just something a little bit different. There is an edge with those kids from the Delta that I think is unique. Talking to a couple of those guys is like, hey, we have competed against each other our entire lives. Now we have a chance to go play together at Mississippi State. That's a, that's a pretty awesome situation there. Not just because of the fact that um, it's going to help these young men you know, further and advance their lives and careers, but Mississippi State is going to benefit from getting some very good football players. And it's a different day and time right now, too. You know, there, there are some guys right now, I'll, I'll just share this with you, too. I won't mention any names. There are some players out there that don't have the ability of Dante Kelly. And in some respects, don't have the same college options as Dante Kelly that tell us, well, I'm holding out to see who has the best NIL deal. Now, who put that idea in their head? They see all this stuff on social media and they're thinking, oh, well, this guy's getting a car and this guy's getting this. What am I going to get? Well, you're going to get left out. That's what's going to happen. A lot of people say, well, you know your value. Well, sometimes those people telling you that don't understand your value is not any different than the guy that's right next to you that uh, is willing to play the same position for a lot less money or for none. Does that make sense? Do you really think, you know, that a guy with, uh, you know, State, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss, Southern Miss's offers, and maybe a handful of other G5s, you think that guy is going to command a lot of NIL money? I mean, if it boils down to a state and Ole Miss thing, I mean, yeah, you might see a situation where, um, you know, some, there's some gamesmanship between state and Ole Miss. But let's be honest, you're not going to go make a big investment in a guy that there's probably 10 guys just like. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. 
Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. I'm in your home state. And so there hadn't been as many commitments. I think part of that, too, is because, hey, these guys weren't showing any urgency. Nobody was calling the commits, and nobody was pushing for the commitment because they wanted to get them in camp. Well, now they have, and they've seen them, so now it's go time. And now Kelly Jones, and this is a guy I've been talking about on Gene's page for, for a couple months now, and this is a kid here. They just got to see him in camp, and they're going to get an offer. You got to trust the tape. You can't always trust the offer sheet. You can't always trust what other people are telling you. You trust the tape. What do they do when the band is playing? What do they do when the lights are on? I can't count how many times that some kid will say, well, I've got offers from you know, Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia, and I take a look at this, and I say, man, if this kid goes to Alabama, that's a win for us because we can sign somebody else, and they'll have a guy on the field or more than likely not on the field but a guy riding the scholarship rolls is never going to make a contribution. That's just the reality of life. And there are a lot of people out there that think, okay, well, if I lie about offers, maybe I'll get more stars. And there's some people in this industry, that's what they do. They, they count offers. Look at the tape. If the tape doesn't match the offer sheet, then chances are the offer sheet is disingenuous. You look at Kelly Jones, that guy's got an accurate offer sheet. His tape is much better than his offers. LaKendrick James, linebacker out of Northside High School. I really like him, and I like him even more after meeting him. This You talk about alpha, and that's one thing that I, th- I think about too. He doesn't, again, another guy doesn't have a big offer sheet. But this is a guy that will change your all for you. Go look at his spring jamboree footage. Go, go watch it. He plays H-back, plays Mike linebacker, never leaves the field. He's blowing people up every play. One of the better spring tapes that I've seen this year. 
But Kendrick James shows up on a Mississippi State campus, his hair spiked up, the gold glasses on, introduces himself to several other recruits that he's met on social media, and all of a sudden they were fast friends. Everybody's running around having a good time cheering for each other. This class is on the verge of coming together. I think Kendrick James can be a big part of that. State needs to take some linebackers in this class. And I submit to you, the linebacker class that State signed last year is outstanding. And then, of course, to hear the Mississippi State coaches go, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, yeah, that's true. We'll see. You never know how guys are going to handle college coaching. But the reality of it is, is I think we're going we're, we're gonna to have a chance to stack good linebacker classes. You remember what we had last year? Jave Gilmore, right? Khalid Moore, right? Trevion Williams, who looks like a million dollars. He's going to play with his hand in the ground, though. You start running through these names, and you start thinking, okay, Avery Sledge, guy was a quarterback, and he was a heck of an athlete, needs to get in the weight room. But I feel great about this linebacker class, and I think we're about to stack a second linebacker class primarily of in-state guys. I think majority of your defense is going to be Mississippi guys this year. And I think that's a good thing. Those guys aren't going to look to transfer. Unless we recruit over in the next couple of years. But, my, but my, by and large, those guys are going to come in here, and it's going to be some of the greatest days of their life. They're going to have a chance to represent their home state. And I think LaKendrick James is a guy, too, that will help put this class together. The sooner we get him in the boat, the better. Amarion Blakes worked out at wide receiver. I thought he was good. I didn't think it was great. He was good. I, I would take him, especially if we're going to take four wide receivers. The guy's got great vision, great change of direction, quickness, good top end foot speed. Really like his game a lot. Wondered if he wouldn't be a corner. I think now nah, keep him at receiver. Zay Alexander, offensive lineman from Tupelo. He's lost about 30 pounds, looks like a different player. He was already pretty athletic, even at, you know, 360 or whatever he was. He was big. And it was all kind of bad weight. You know, it wasn't like in his shoulders and chest. It was more around his, you know, his waistline. Well, he's trimmed that up. He looks a lot more agile. He's got to get stronger. He does. But this is a guy, too, that's going to boil down to a state old Miss thing. And in the end, I expect it to be Mississippi State. Got an offensive lineman, uh, Malik Ellis, from over there in um, Alabama. I think this is one he's probably on the clock. I think State's going to really ratchet things up with him. I won't be surprised if he's in the boat before, before the season begins. Offered Oak Grove defensive back, Jalen Abram. He spells it A-B-O-R-N, but it's pronounced Abram. Um, maybe that's an M. Um like him as a defensive back, and State's going to be pretty heavy on the defensive side of the football in his class, especially, you know, linebacker, and, and you got to get some safeties. I think Jalen probably is a safety, and I think maybe you take him and Kelly and you kind of – Kelly Jones, and you figure out, hey, which guy grows into a safety. They may both grow into safeties. But it's interesting. Very interesting, to say the least. Um, get Perkins. Ole Miss commitment. The, his name is Santorine Perkins. They call him Git. He showed up with his family. Just about everybody decked out in Mississippi State gear. I tweeted out maroon and white, and, and then, you know, the Ole Miss smart Alex like, well, Raleigh High School is maroon and white. 
Yeah, but Mer- Raleigh doesn't wear Mississippi State gear, though. So I took a picture and tweeted that out, too, just so they would be quiet. But um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think State gets him. But State's made this awfully interesting. I think State probably gets an official visit. But, uh, yeah, I think Ole Miss locals will do what it takes to get him. Um, I think, you know, and another thing, too, I don't mean that in an unscrupulous way either. I mean, he's already got an NIL deal right now. Um, but I say that, you know, Dante Moncrief was a fantastic college player and had some good years in the NFL. He is a hero to those kids at Raleigh High School. And so it makes perfect sense to me that Get Perkins would have committed to Ole Miss. I mean, it makes sense to me, right? Um, that said, talking to the family, they're probably going to take a visit to Alabama and a visit to Florida. They're not done. You know, he's committed really kind of in word more so than deed. Going to go through the process and going to see how things go. But the guy's a really good player. I think he's probably a linebacker on the next level. I don't know that he can play running back. I know some people suggested he can. Um, but he is a heck of an athlete. No matter if he ends up at Ole Miss or not, the guy can really play. Uh, and, and talking to the family, you just kind of get a sense. These, these are good Mississippi folks, you know, people that have good values. And uh, they're enjoying the process and kind of getting out and traveling together as a group and getting to see the sites and make some memories together. And I, I support. I support that 100%. And, again, I I think it's going to be tough to pull him from Ole Miss for us. You know, maybe Alabama or Florida can, but uh, this guy's an outstanding football player. Zachary Tillman played as a safety last year, looks like a linebacker this year. I think think he has probably developed into a linebacker. Could be a Mike linebacker. You know, he's got to get a little bit – he's getting big and he's getting a little stronger. Uh, I like his game. I like his attitude. I think this is a guy, too, that uh, his best football is ahead of him. Uh, you know, had a chance to uh, to meet his mom, and she is, like all mothers, just absolutely beaming with pride, knowing that he's going to have a chance to fulfill his dream. Great family, for sure. Uh, Bray Hubbard from OS, Ocean Springs. You know, that's the, uh, the high school that Austin Williams has made famous. No, OS has turned out some good prospects over the years. Uh, maybe more so at the lower levels, but, yeah, it's a good program. When Coach Todd Mangum was down there, you had DeAndre Brown. You had Austin Williams come through there. I mean, you know, you've, you've had some guys that have signed lower D1 from out of there, but, uh, you know, I think Bray Hubbard is probably you know, the first one since Austin Williams you look at and say, ah, that, this guy's got a little something, right? Alabama offers him as a safety. Mississippi State offers him a day later as a wide receiver. He's committed to Southern Miss in baseball. So he's got a lot to think about. We spoke about that a little bit, and you can just tell. He's like, yeah, 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 I've got a lot to figure out. And, uh, but, you know, how, how wonderful a decision that has to be. It's like when you commit to Southern Miss baseball, you're thinking, hey, this is great. And now all of a sudden Alabama's offered you, Mississippi State has offered you. I don't know what his level of attraction is to Mississippi State. But I know that this is a SEC athlete for sure. And you're starting to see this class. You know, we talked about it first blush. It would be a good class. Wasn't a great class. You know, maybe it's going to turn out to be a pretty good or perhaps a really good class. You know, when you start looking at some of these guys and, if, and you start looking at rankings, you're looking at the wrong thing. Right? You're looking at the wrong thing. Look at the film. Because I know a lot of guys that got some big rankings who don't have film to match because, you know, we've got this real colorful offer sheet. But all of a sudden, Bray Hubbard gets an offer from Alabama, and you have a DB from Meridian commit to Florida State. Then you see a DB from Itabina commit to Mississippi State. 
we don't have a ton of headliners in this class, but we got some guys that can play. And so, again, it's kind of a developmental year. And I think, again, you know, I think State is going to be able to fill probably all of their defensive needs within the state of Mississippi. Probably going to supplement a little bit with wide receivers outside of the state. you got Seth Davis. Of course, Seth came in uh, for the camp. He's explosive. Not the biggest guy, but he's explosive. Fun guy, well-spoken, kind of guy you take to media day. You know, I gotta, he's going to have some credibility in the room, but also, too, is going to represent you well. So, State currently has four commitments. Excuse me, five now, now that we add uh, Dante Kelly into it. Uh, everybody came. Ty Jones came. And as soon as he walked through the door, I turned to Paul Jones and I said, I feel a whole lot better about that commitment right now. I already liked him. And then to see him in person without pads, just him walking casually, you think this is exactly what you want. Now, where does he play? Does he end up at linebacker? Does he grow into defensive end? I don't know. You know, he's 6'1", 205. I think he's probably a little bit taller than that now. But this is a guy that's been committed for a while. And, again, you see him in person. You see guys come to camp and you see him compete. And you're thinking, you know what, I kind of I, I see what everybody else saw in him now. You know, it's one thing to see it on film, but then when you see him in person, it kind of validates what you hope. Malik Ellis doesn't look like an offensive lineman. And I say that from a girth standpoint. Now, he works with the lineman. And he is a freak of an athlete. But this is a guy, too, that's going to have to put on some weight when he gets here. Much like Charles Cross did. I think Charles is probably a little thicker than Malik at this point in his development. But I think he can follow that same path. This guy is an incredible athlete. He's just got to add the mass and learn to play strong at a, at a, a heavier playing weight. Uh, Joseph Head, incredible first step. That guy's going to be – he's going to be – Joseph Head is going to be trouble for SEC quarterbacks. I mean, just watching him in drills and you see how he kind of frees himself. And, you know, there are a lot of guys that have that length. They're a little bit stiff and they don't really move around athletically. But you see Joseph Head and you're thinking, man, this guy's doing high school. You know, 6'4", 205. He's probably got to put on 20, 25 pounds. But he looks like what you would expect – you know, a rush end to look like. I, I'm really happy with everybody we have right now. You know, the Seth Davis, I mean, Seth's a little guy. I mean, it, it's true. You know, I'm concerned about what's he going to do on the blitz pickups. But as far as the rest of the game, you know, swinging the ball out to him in the flats, letting him carry it on the outside, the kid's going to be able to play. You know, in a tr- traditional offense, he'd be an outstanding third down back. You know, but out of the backfield. You, know, you want him to go out there and get out in the flats or whatever and make plays for it. The guy's a playmaker. So he's, a, he's an interesting piece. He's kind of the complimentary back to, uh, you know, to Hargrove. You don't want to have everybody looking the same with the same skill sets. And, but Seth Davis is a productive guy at Katy, Texas, 6'8 football in one of the most uh, football crazy states in the union. So I'm happy with what we've got in the class. And, again, I think it's just really beginning to build. I think people are really kind of getting an idea. Now we've got guys in campus, we've had ch- guys that come to camp, we've had a chance to see them in person, get our own measurements, get our own uh, times and things of that nature. I think now we can kind of say, okay, listen, let, it's time to go. So I think business is going to pick up here in the next uh, couple of weeks. I think you can go ahead and kind of rest assured with that.
And that's just part of the, the, the event. You know, we had some decent guys with, uh, you know, uh, Will Demp's nephew was there, a Shaborn Demp's. A little bit undersized, but uh, a lot like his uncle. Very fleet of foot. Very good in and out of his breaks. You know, we had some dudes here, you know, especially on Friday. It's a handful on Saturday. A lot of guys here, but um, over the weekend. So, again, I think business is about to pick up. Speaking of business, let's talk about our friend uh, Blair Chandler at uh, closewithblair.com. Blair's a guy that makes things happen. Guy's been a mortgage professional now 21 years, back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. Let me give you his phone number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, it's 601-500-2344. And Blair is a guy that can probably get your loan closed when other people can't. Guy's seen it all, done it all. Got a good relationship with underwriting, knows what they're looking for, so he can kind of structure your loan in a way that we can get you taken care of. Get your loan approved and get you a little more rest at night. Many people are kind of sweating it out, you know, paycheck to paycheck. It's no way to live. And at some point, we've all lived that way, right? Maybe get your equity working for you. Consolidate some debt down to one low monthly payment. Visit him at closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. And if you mention to him, you heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. No matter your college affiliation, if you just listen to the Boneyard and say, hey, Blair, I heard about you on Steve's show, the Boneyard, He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How about that? A lot of fees associated with getting these loans approved. Blair's going to help you with some of that. Again, that's closewithblair.com. All right, I've been trying to do a top 10 album list on Mondays. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, we did Sex Pistols last week. I had a lot of response to that, too. A lot of people say, Steve, I think the list was pretty close to perfect, with maybe one exception. You know, and that, that's okay. Granted, it's not a huge catalog to pull from. But uh, I'm glad you guys appreciated the list. But today we're going to do a band that's got 12 studio albums and a couple live albums, but, uh, and they've had three different singers. Had gold albums at least with all three of them. How about that? How many bands can claim that? We're talking Van Halen. Going to rank the top 10 Van Halen albums. Now, there are 12 studio albums in the Van Halen catalog. We are not going to include Van Halen 3 which had Gary Sharon from Extreme as a lead singer. I'm a Gary fan. I love Extreme. It just didn't work for me. They, now, I think Eddie and those guys, the music was great. It just didn't work for me. Maybe it did for you, and that's okay. Uh, yeah, just, it wasn't my thing. And again, maybe maybe you were. Maybe, maybe it was for you. Didn't make my list. And I also didn't include, include Different Kind of Truth. That was the last album recorded in 2012. The last Van Halen album. There, and there may be some things out there, you know, that um, some unfinished stuff, maybe, that finally shows the, uh, in the light of day. There was some, I know there was some, album, some songs during the Sammy Hagar era that have not been released. Ed didn't want them released. I understand the best ballad in the history of Van Halen was one of them that Sammy wrote, and they have not released that. So maybe at some point we'll get some new Van Halen music. But here are uh, 10 albums I think you can enjoy. Number 10, the album is Balance. And I think, I don't know that this one maybe got the acclaim that it should have among fans, and it actually went three times platinum. How about that? Did you know that? 
three times platinum. I, I think the the shining moment is "Can't Stop Loving You." That's going to be your number ten song today. "Can't Stop Loving You." It's been on the on the show before. Uh, "Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do" is a great one too. But "Can't Stop Loving You." At some point, we've all felt that. It's an outstanding song, and uh, I know that you'll appreciate that one. I listen to that one a lot. I like Sammy's vocals a lot on that one. Uh, number nine, the second album with Sammy Hagar as a singer, OU812. And there was a, a punk band out there that kind of had a, a counter that said, I ate one before you, kind of a, a shot at the new Van Halen. A lot of good ones on here. I know some people like Cabo Wabo. Uh, Black and Blue was a big hit for them. Finish What You Started is another one, too, where Ed kind of shows a different part of his repertoire as a guitarist. But I went with When It's Love, which I think is, an, again, an incredible vocal. And I do like the two guitars with Sammy Hagar in the band. So that's your number nine song, When It's Love, from the OU812 album. All right, from on, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. It's a nice little acronym for you there. So... This is another one that I think is probably somewhat underappreciated. A lot of good ones on here. Right Now, of course, was a huge hit for them, and it gets played basically in all the sports arenas around the world. Top of the World was great. I went, and Run Around was another one that, you know, people don't really highlight. Run Around is great. But I went with Pound Cake, and that's the one with the drill. I think it's Eddie at his best. I think another thing, too, I think once they kind of found their groove with Sammy, I think Ed was kind of willing to experiment again. I think he had the freedom to do that. So Pound Cake is your number eight song, Off for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Number seven, and this is the only David Lee Roth album that's not in the top six, and it's uh, Diver Down. And I love the album, but it is basically a covers album. You say, Steve, no, yes, it is. Where Have All the Good Times Gone? That's a Ray Davies track. The Kinks. Um, Pretty Woman, of course, is a Roy Orbison track, and I love Ben Halen's version of it. Dancing in the Street, of course, is a Marvin Gaye song. Big Bag Bill with Sweet William Now. That's uh, another cover that was you know, recorded back in the 1920s. And, of course, Happy Trails from uh, Del Evans and Roy Rogers. So you look that out and you're like, my goodness, there's all of these covers. And there's only, you know, I guess three true original songs on here. Hang Em High, which is great. Then there's the instrumental for Cathedral and Secrets, which is good. And I love the intro on Intruder that goes into Pretty Woman. But we're going to go with Little Guitars. I, I love Eddie's work here. It's very different than Eruption. Uh, the intro itself is kind of an elongated thing. And then... When you get into the body of the song, Ed's still kind of just kind of going all over the place. I, I love it. The Full Bug is another one. I just It, it was a B-side on um, Where Have All the Good Times Gone, I think. But again, it's mainly a covers album. And so as a result, I had to dock at a couple spots. So Little Guitars off Diver Down is number seven on the list. You say, Steve, are you kidding me? You put a Sammy Hagar album above a David Lee Roth album? I absolutely did. I absolutely did, because I think 5150 is outstanding. And I'm not alone. 5150 went six times platinum. And if you're keeping up there, that's more than most of the David Lee Roth albums. Did you know that? That's right. Four of the David Lee Roth albums 
did not surpass the same sales as 5150. Now, you may recall, and I remember where I was the first time I heard, why can't this be love, and, which is amazing. I don't think there's a bad track on this album. Summer Nights is one that I think is underappreciated too in the catalog. I think Sammy's vocals on it's really good. Best of Both Worlds was great live. Love Walks In was big. But I'm going to go with Dreams. And I know this, again, you know, Eddie was an amazing keyboardist as well as a guitarist. And I think this is a good combination. And we're not going to be able to get our weight in because of the quality of that album. So we're going to use Dreams to kind of get Ed's signature keyboard in as well as his amazing guitar. So Dreams off 5150, your number six song. Now the rest of the way, it's Daily Roth. Okay? Stay with me. Because I think we're going to have a little controversy when we get to the top. Number five for me is the album Fair Warning. Fair Warning an outstanding album probably probably overshadowed by some of the albums that came later but this was a building block towards greater success for Van Halen Mean Street an absolute gem that's the lead track on side one you know I'm old if I call it side one but the best one to me is Unchained I love Michael Anthony's part on this I love the I love the vocals on this unchained is just one of those songs when you're in your car you have to you have to hit it you do but I, I love the album I really do I don't love it as much though is the number four album which is women and children first it actually predated fair warning now some of you and maybe maybe I'm alone in this maybe maybe some of you the very first time that um, you heard a song off this album was uh, in a movie. Are you familiar with the great movie Better Off Dead? You know, when John Cusack was working there at the hamburger place, the hamburger came to life, and the hamburger played Everybody Wants Some. I could have gone that direction. I didn't, but I wanted to give that song, that beautiful song, and that beautiful moment in American motion picture history its due. I went with And the Cradle Will Rock. I think Dave's vocal on this is, is probably the best on the album. Uh, Could This Be Magic is great too. In a Simple Rhyme is another one that it probably underappreciated. But I think And the Cradle Will Rock is just one of those rock songs that everybody knows. It's very, very well put together. It was a great opening track for this album. But a lot of people notice when everybody wants some, and maybe you know that in the part in the movie and you didn't know what album it's from. Go check it out. You'll be glad you did. All right, so that's your number four album, Women and Children First. All right, so let's uh, let's get a little deeper here, and let's get to, I guess let's just go ahead and do it, man. It's the top three. And I think we would all probably agree these are the top three albums. We, again, may disagree on the order. These are the top three. Now, my number three album may be different than yours. My number three album is Van Halen 2. You say, Steve, this is a classic. It is. It also also has some covers on it. And uh, listen, I love a good Van Halen cover. Like, You're, you're No Good is good. Dance Night Away is really good. You know. Um, you know, um, 
And that, that, that's not a way probably is number one for you guys that love this album. I'm not, I'm going a little bit harder here. And I could have gone Dead on Arrival, which is labeled as DOA on the second side of the album. Beautiful Girls is great too. And of course, Spanish Fly, another great instrumental from Eddie. But I went with somebody to give me a doctor. It's a short song, but it is a rocking song. And I think I went with a lot of love stuff in the beginning. I'm not going with love stuff here at the end. Again, I could have gone DOA. I'm going with somebody to give me a doctor. And I think my buddy Rob will agree. Dance Night Away is a great tune. It's kind of a radio rock song. So we're going to go with somebody to give me a doctor. Somebody give me a shot. All right, number two. Now, this is where I think that I'm going to make some enemies. And I'm okay. You can start your own show and put your own list together. The number two album for me is Van Halen 1. That's right. Yeah, I did it. I said it. Van Halen 1 is my number two album. And I love everything on here. You know, I, I could have gone with Ice Cream Man, even though it's not really a Van Halen song. I love that their version of it, though. Jamie's Crying. Many of you know that song because of Tone Logue's Wild Thing. They sampled Jamie's Crying. Atomic Punk is another great one that everybody talks about. Feel Your Love Tonight is amazing. The harmonies in that are great. Michael Anthony at his best. Of course, you've got Eruption. You Really Got Me, of course, is a kink song. Ain't Talking About Love is an absolute classic and really one of the better songs in the Van Halen catalog. I don't know that that gets enough discussion. But number one for me on this album, and your number two track on the top ten list today is Running With The Devil. Now, in South Mississippi, in the early 80s, we couldn't admit we liked this song. It didn't mean that we were Satanists. We just liked Van Halen. But that's what happens. Like, if somebody caught you playing this song in your car, it's like, hey, what's happening here? We need to go burn your tapes. We got to get you down front, man. We got to lay our hands on you at the altar. Couldn't listen to this. Of course, it came out, you know, in the late 70s. But, uh, you know, by the time we were all able to buy stuff ourselves, it's like, wait, what are you listening to? What's happened here? Steve's a troubled youth. Why would he be running with the devil? I wasn't running with the devil. I just liked the song. I just liked Van Halen. I got into him a little bit later. Then I went back and listened to the back clock. I'm like, wait a minute here. What have I been missing? So running with the devil. In your face. Number two. The number one Van Halen song for album for me, excuse me. Because it's not the number one song. This is the number one album. And maybe it's because it was my first Van Halen album. Maybe. Because I was still a young guy when these guys got rolling. But it's 1984. Now, I think most people from my generation would probably agree that that album is the best of the Van Halen albums. Now, let me just remind you, for those of you that haven't listened in a while, and I do listen in a while, I listen regularly. So you start with a great keyboard instrumental that takes you in a jump, and there's Panama that caused a lot of controversy, which was kind of silly. Then there was Top Jimmy, which is a great track. One of my favorite tracks on this album, and I, I, I honestly, if there weren't so many hits, I could say this is my favorite one. I love the guitar on this. I love Alex's percussion is drop dead legs then of course there's the legendary hot for teacher and then there's i'll wait which is an amazing song 
We talk about great Van Halen songs. That is one of those songs, too, that I think everybody knows and the casual fans kind of forget. I'll Wait is amazing. Girl Gone Bad is great. House of Pain is great. This, this is Every song on here could have been a single. That's how good it is. It is a classic American rock album. Absolutely love every bit of this album. I just can't find anything to poke any holes in it. I think that's the thing you kind of look at, too, is when you start running this thing back, it's like as great as Van Halen 1 is, there's a couple songs in there you're like, well, you know, I think when you look at this thing and you look at 84, you think, man, this is incredible. And so Van Halen 1 awarded a diamond certification by the Recording Industry of America, 84 as well. So you have two diamond albums from Van Halen, and it's 84, and it's Van Halen 1. I mean, just kind of, let me just run these down for you real quick before we move on. Van Halen 1, diamond. Van Halen 2, five times platinum. Women and Children First, three times platinum. This is all just domestically. Fair Warning, two times platinum, and you owe it to yourself to go listen to that album a little bit more. I know we didn't have the same level of commercial success, but it's still outstanding. Diver Down, four times platinum, even though it's mainly a covers album. And then 84 was a return to form in many respects for Van Halen. It's a diamond certification for 84. 5150, the first album with Sammy Hagar, and everybody said, I'm going to boycott him, six times platinum. OU812, four times platinum. For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, three times platinum. Balance, three times platinum. And then Van Halen 3, they win gold. Let that sink in for a second, right? So you get singer number three, and even though you had some tunes that were pretty decent, the first album in Van Halen's history that didn't go platinum. And every album went multi-platinum prior to that. And then Gary Sharon comes in, it just didn't work out. And it actually debuted at number four on the charts. And I think people got to listen to it and said, I don't waste your time. And then Different Kind of Truth came out in 2012, and that also went gold. And, of course, things had changed. But the reality of it is, is that Van Halen's one of America's greatest rock bands. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And so enjoy the list. And I've got a few friends that are big Van Halen fans. I know they'll say, Steve, you're wrong on this. And that's okay. I think that's the thing, too. When you think about King Edward and you think about his contributions to rock, uh, I don't think you can go wrong ranking Van Halen stuff. I, I really don't. It's like when you think about especially the David Lee Roth era, you know, there was just so much consistency. And I do think in many respects Van Halen became a different band with Sammy. They were a lot more radio friendly, and I think that helped with record sales. But I think Sammy Hagar, too, is, rather than being an unknown, was a guy obviously that, that had some credibility. This is a guy that had been around and so had fashioned himself into an amazing rock vocalist. And so I think, again, Sammy's willingness to play the rhythm kind of allowed Ed a little more creative freedom as well. And so excellent, excellent, excellent band. I uh, hope you enjoy the list. So 84, in my mind, the number one Van Halen album. We didn't do it earlier in the show, so let me take the time to do it now. Our Prime Shrimp Player of the Weekend is Dante Kelly, New Mississippi State Commitment. Dante Kelly at LaFleur High School in Itabina, Mississippi. I shared with you guys earlier, he uh, he took that high school program to its first ever state championship appearance. Uh, he'll be back this year. That's going to be a, a very solid team. Again, I think they're still in 2A. Uh, but Dante, of course, uh, kind of making our day-to-day, kind of getting uh, the re- top dog recruiting results off on a positive note. And, again, I think it's just a matter of time before we add to that number. But uh, Dante Kelly, 
making the Mississippi State fans day today by announcing his verbal commitment to Mississippi State. Now, PrimeShrimp.com, uh, we had some over the weekend, and I, again, people that are like newcomers to this program, I don't know what you're waiting on. It's not like the Book of the Month Club. You just kind of order it as you need it. They're not just going to send you shrimp all the time. But Prime Shrimp is a New Orleans-based shrimping company that's been doing this since the 1940s. They know what it takes to get quality food to your dinner table. And you're thinking, Steve, you know, it's so hard to get quality seafood in this parts. You're exactly right, it is. So why not have it fresh shipped up from New Orleans from our friends at PrimeShrimp.com? And here's the deal. It can survive this suppressive heat that we have in Mississippi. It's very well packaged. And then you un- you unbox it, and it comes in these neat and handy little pouches that fit right in your freezer. It's not going to take up a bunch of room. Inside those great pou- pouches are high-quality shrimp that have been deveined, detailed, and peeled. You just put on a pot of water to boil. Ten minutes later, you drop them in. Next thing you know, it's time to eat. And I love that French Quarter Alfredo. And a lot of people said, Steve, you're right about this. And I am. You can put some fettuccine noodles on the bowl, too. And then by the time it's your sauce and your shrimp are ready to go, it's like you're sitting down there on the French Quarter on Decatur Street eating with your friends, enjoying a night out in New Orleans. So check them out today. That's primeshrimp.com. Use promo code Boneyard and save 20 bucks off your first order. And always a money-back guarantee with primeshrimp.com. All right, let's take a look at uh, the world of college baseball right now. This segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. You know Campus Bookmart. You've been by there before, and you've seen the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, the wonderfully gifted Pam Menyard. It's a great people, a great group of people down there. They'll treat you like family because in their mind you are family. It's as simple as that. A lot of people want your business. These guys have earned it. They've been in Starboy a long time, doing a great job. Shop local whenever you can. These guys are going to have the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. I had somebody hit me up today and said, Steve, I'm ordering something. I can't remember the promo code. It's very easy. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Very easy. Just think of me. You know how beautiful I am. And say, you know what? Steve's beautiful. Oh, yeah, BSR, Beautiful Steve Robertson. That's how we did it. It was a throwaway line that's kind of become a cultural phenomenon. But that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right. As much as it hurts, let's, uh, let's take a look at the NCAA baseball bracket. You know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay, you know. I'm okay. I hate that we're not there. But I'm okay. And let me let me let me say this. I know this is going to get me in trouble. I'll probably get some messages from people back home. But um, you know, Starville's my home now. But uh, let me just share this with you, guys. I don't want to hear anything else about Southern Miss baseball. I mean, honest to honestly, stop, stop. And I mean it. Stop. After that anemic showing, and listen, let's give Ole Miss some credit. But you have a chance. In your own ballpark, you got to win two games against Ole Miss, who was the last team to get in a tournament, and you can't get it done. And listen, I get it. Ole Miss was a value pick uh, where they were. That's a lineup that's kind of playing to its potential now. But I have been inundated this year about all the Southern Miss and state championship shirts and all this kind of stuff. Guys, one season is not a program make. 
And especially when you have a chance to do something. It's only happened, what, two times in our history or three times now, Super Regionals. You know, it's crazy. And then you can't get it done. You know, it's like we talk all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, anytime, anywhere. Yeah, okay, cool. Guys, y'all got, you got you to gotta finish, man. And so they have been to a Super Regional twice. 2009, they won and went to Omaha. And then 2022, this year, they don't. And so they're headed off to the Sun Belt next year. And it's like, I don't know. that, that doesn't, How does that make you any better? I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe they'll play a more difficult schedule next year. I don't know. But, um, you know, the reality of it is Southern Miss is a, is a good little program. They're not on this level. They're not. We've had a bad year. Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss's season is going to end in Omaha, I think they would tell you that they had a very disappointing regular season. They've got it going in postseason. They've swept the postseason, right? But I think Southern Miss kind of benefited from the fact that State and, State and Ole Miss just weren't great this year. And so that's the reality of it. And, again, I've got respect for those guys. But please, please stop trying to suggest that Southern Miss baseball is on the same level of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. It's not. It's not. And even some of our own fans do it. You know that second of our fans, like, well, we're not happy if we're making ourselves and everybody else miserable. Oh, Southern Miss, yeah. Well, you know, they're right there with us now. And, again, they win a regional. Congratulations to those guys. But um, they couldn't get it done. Absolutely couldn't get it done. All right, so let's take a look at this thing here. I wish they could make these brackets a little easier to deal with. I mean, honest, honest to goodness, I wish it was easier. Like, like if there's just an interactive bracket you just kind of click on. And maybe, maybe I'm just going to the wrong place. But it always seems to be it's one of these things where – we just can't find it. All right, so let's start with the top left-hand corner of the bracket. That's the number one seed, and the curse of number one continues. We went to Super Regional format in 1999. We expanded the field from 46 to 64 teams. And since that happened in 1999, only one team that was number one seeded won the NAFL championship, and that is Miami back in 99. So nobody this century has entered the tournament as the overall number one seed and then won the NAFL championship. Notre Dame beats Tennessee two out of three, and, you know, Tennessee pitching was dominating Notre Dame. It was a 3 nothing ball game, and you're thinking, this thing is over. The next thing you know, a couple of jacks, and you get a catcher up there that uh, has got one home run on the year, and he takes one the other way that just kind of slips over the, uh, you know, the low, the low, low fence there at uh, Tennessee and Knoxville. Maybe we got to rethink that. Maybe maybe it's not good to have the launching pad. You know what I'm saying? It's like again, I, I told you guys I didn't think these guys are built for the postseason. And Notre Dame wins, going to Omaha. What the third time in school history? Is that right? Is that correct? I believe it is. Let me just double-check my notes here. I believe Notre Dame baseball is the, the third time in school history of going to Omaha. But let's be sure about that because, uh, you know, I, I'm not um, – I'm getting older. And so my memory it may not be what I would like for it to be. But, uh, yes, yes, I am correct. Even in my advanced age, 
that is the, their third College World Series appearance. So congratulations to the Irish. And I think them coming to Mississippi State last year and playing in front of 15,000 people on three consecutive days prepared them to go handle that, you know, 4,800 at Tennessee. Like, everybody's like, man, what a great atmosphere at Tennessee. Are, are you kidding me? Are, who do you think you're talking to? We get three times as many fans on a weekend against a mid-major. Are you, are you kidding me? We get 4,200 fans on a Tuesday night. Give me a break, man. Have some context. But Notre Dame wins. Surprise to many. I thought Tennessee would do it. I mean, I didn't think they'd win it, but I thought they would get to Omaha. I told you guys last week, is Notre Dame capable of beating them? They absolutely are. They did. Texas takes care of ECU. And while we're talking about teams I'm tired of hearing about, ECU is one of them. You can get on the train with Southern Miss. And even though ECU is a better program than Southern Miss, every single year it's like we have, we got to have the college baseball hipsters kind of hype them. Oh, this is the year. And listen, they get a top eight national seed this year. And then Texas goes in there and just spanks them yesterday. Texas, a team that I said early on was probably the, had the best chance to win it. They're back in Omaha. It's been a wild ride. And you've got Ivan Melendez now with 30 bombs. That's going to be interesting in that bracket with A&M. Interesting bracket, bracket one is. A&M, Texas, Notre Dame, Oklahoma. So you've got like the old Big 8 and the independent Notre Dame. That is going to be a very interesting bracket. Texas was here last year. Oklahoma hadn't been there in a while. Notre Dame felt like they should have been there. A&M is kind of like the, you know, the upstart this year. The moment might prove to be a little bit too big for A&M. I think Notre Dame is a team that's capable of winning. But I think Texas, you know, Texas was a game away from playing for the NFL championship last year. I think now that they're there, they're probably thinking, okay, we're back. Let's go. I can see Texas winning this thing. I mean, I, I can't wait to watch it, honestly. All right. Uh, A&M, of course, beat Louisville. I thought Louisville would win that one. I really did. I thought Louisville would take A&M down. They didn't. Congratulations. A&M was the first team in. And I originally picked Florida to win this regional. I didn't think Virginia Tech would. I thought whoever won the Gainesville regional, either Florida or Oklahoma, would win it. Oklahoma does. Oklahoma wins a Big 12 tournament. Now they're headed to Omaha. Congratulations, Sooners. Now the other side of this thing is interesting. We'll get a game tonight, Stanford and UConn. Stanford, of course, was my pick to win it all. They lose game one, just like they did in the regional. They fight their, they get in the loser's bracket in the regional. They fight their way back. They were amazing yesterday. And so, hopefully they can close this thing out uh, today. I think Stanford, again, I think this bracket sets up well for them. Uh, on the other side of things, Arkansas. Arkansas takes care of North Carolina. I'm not surprised to see... Arkansas win. You know, it's kind of like in 89. We were expected to go win it, and we got upset. In 90, we'll make it to Omaha. Last year, Arkansas was expected to win it. They break through and get there this year. I think there's going to be some relief on that team. I think they're going to feel like, you know what, maybe we're a year removed from where we should be. I think Arkansas was a dangerous team. I think Arkansas was a very, very dangerous team. All right, uh, Ole Miss, of course, uh, takes care of Southern Miss. And, um, again, you know, you, you got to tip the cap to Mike Bianco and his crew. I mean, you know, a lot of people were at the end of the regular season were just like, let's just go ahead and fire him. We don't want to be in a regional. 
they cursed John Cohen for them making a regional, and I hear they are in Omaha. Third time in 50 years. But they're there. And this is a team beginning of the year. A lot of people had eight for Omaha. So it's like it took them a while, but maybe they're, you know, they've kind of lived up to expectations here in the postseason. So uh, a good team. I think they had a pretty easy path to get here, but it doesn't matter. They're there now. But I do think they're in a difficult bracket. I really do. Auburn, Oregon State, uh, the winner of that, of course, uh, will play Ole Miss in Omaha. And so, and that's not something that we've said very often is anybody playing Ole Miss in Omaha. But um, that's the bracket as it looks today. You know, we can kind of update some things tomorrow when we talk again. But uh, I, I think it's one of those deals you look at and you begin to kind of realize, too, that uh, this is a very wide-open field. If we're going to go with experience, you kind of got to favor Texas or Arkansas in this thing. Because a lot of these teams don't have anybody on their roster that's played in Omaha before. And it's a different deal. It is a much different deal. And it's going to be hard to hit home runs in that ballpark. Now, last year, of course, I still think they uh, they changed the, the balls a little bit. But um, and a lot, I think Aaron Fitz sent out yesterday that with three teams last year hit 100 home runs or more, and this year 19 did. Something's changing. Something. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where we are right now. You know, there's, again, two teams left to go, and we'll fill out the bracket and – uh, as it stands right now, it's Stanford 8, UConn 3 at the end of 4. Uh, so Stanford, you know, an, a good start there. But uh, Stanford, again, my pick to win the whole thing. And they have not made it easy on me by any stretch. But I think this is a team that's capable of, uh, of winning an Apple championship. And if they swing it like they have the last couple of days, it's going to be difficult. It'll be awfully difficult. And I, if memory serves me correct, that it'll be Stanford and Arkansas. The first game in bracket two. Interesting. Interesting to say the least. So, um, you know, we'll see how things go. Now, we're out on the on the recruiting trail right now. Your coaches are out on the road, having a chance to visit prospects, and, of course, have a chance to watch some prospects in person. And uh, adding some transfers, you know, we've uh, – I guess, what well, we've added three at this point. I think that's correct think here in my, in my head here. Yeah, I guess that's correct. Three, let me just get to my notes here just to kind of make sure that we're on the same page here. Because sometimes I think about all these junior college players too, and you, you can get confused. And I get confused easily anyway. Yeah, three. So Landon Gartman from Memphis was an all-conference pitcher from that right-hander. And outfielder Colton Ledbetter and also con guy from Sanford. And then right-handed pitcher Nate Dome from Ball State. Uh, Dome's numbers are not going to jump off the page at you, but the MLB scouts love him. He's a guy that's going to throw in the high 90s, uh, got a biting slider. And so we'll see how things kind of progress there. But uh, we got to go out and get some right-handed power, and we've got to go out and get some left-handed arms. And we've got some young guys coming in, too, that we're excited about. We talked, we kind of touched on that on the show, uh, you know, last week about, you know, it's not just about the portal. But – you know, no matter what we do, no matter how many portal, like some people are thinking, oh, we're going to have ten, 10 guys in the portal. Where do you think we're going to put them? I mean, you've got a, you've got a roster, you know, you've got a squad size, you got to meet. And so those are the things that I began to think about too is, you know, in August when this new legislation comes in, into pass about scholarships, uh, what's a squad size going to look like? How are we going to handle that if we decide to fully fund baseball? So 
there's still a lot that's got to unfold this summer. You know, we got to wait for the College World Series to end. And like as teams are eliminated, we're seeing more and more guys go in the portal. You've got till July 1st. That's a deadline to go in the portal and be eligible to play next season, unless you're a grad transfer. Well, then you've got the draft. And then you're going to have all this pending legislation. And so there's going to be guys, too, after the draft that like to go in the portal. You know, we saw that with Scotty DeBrule. He didn't get drafted. So he said, I'm going to portal. R.J. Yeager didn't get drafted. He goes in the portal. And so where would we be without those two guys? So this is going to be a summer-long process. It's not going to be something that's over next week. Like on the jeanspage.com message boards, people are like, oh, we need an update, we need an update. When there's something to update, we'll update you. But uh, baseball recruiting is much different. A lot of these guys move in silence, especially when it comes to transfers. A lot of these guys don't want to talk yet. Simple as that. They don't want to talk until they've made a decision, which is interesting. But these are guys, too. A lot of them have already been through the recruiting process. It's now kind of a business decision. And so I read all the commentary. A lot of people have uh, good things to say and some bad things to say. But the reality of it is, until we see what the roster looks like, we have no idea what to expect next year. Now, do I expect us to be better next year? Well, how could we be worse? So, yeah, I do expect that. But the reality of it is, is we're Mississippi State. And so you've got a coaching staff that won an Apple championship. I have spoken to everybody on the staff uh, since the end of the season, and I can tell you that nobody is wearing it well. Nobody is enjoying the fact that there is a postseason tournament going on without us being a part of that. Nobody's like, oh, well, this is fun. No. And I read and see things sometimes, and I think to myself, it's like you know, sometimes we have this non-silent minority that kind of sets the edge on the narrative, and they say, hey, you know, Lamontis and them are doing this, and we're not pushing this issue, and you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, we're falling behind with this guy. You, you don't know. You know, you say that, but you don't know. It's like you read, oh, well, so-and-so's in there, and Kendall Rogers tweeted this name, so we ought to be able to go get this guy. Well, what if we've already done our due diligence and the guy's not a fit for us? Just because, just because D1 baseball thinks he was, is great, and maybe he is great, doesn't mean he's a great fit for us. We don't always have to go out there and chase the headlines. We've got to go find the right players that fill our needs. I'd rather make headlines in July in Omaha than make headlines in the portal in June. And maybe I'm alone, but that's how I see it. And so just kind of pump the brakes and prepare. This is going to be a long summer when it comes to the college baseball recruiting cycle. And we've got all this, you know, football recruiting stuff. We've got two more camps this weekend. We've got uh, top dog camps on the 29th. So we're going to have a lot of football recruiting news too. And Paul Jones, of course, is kind of staying up to date on the uh, basketball recruiting. There's still a couple spots to fill the air. I can't remember a time that we've had so much interest in recruiting in the big three in the summertime. And I think a lot of it, too, in baseball, people have just been kind of casual fans of recruiting. I think the transfer portal and our, our desire to have an immediate turnaround is driving a lot of interest. It's like, you know what, hey, in the past, I've just said, hey, State's always going to have a top ten recruiting class. We're always going to be great. We'll figure it out. I think this year, because we've had such an unprecedented year, you know, we thought we had kind of graduated from this. Now, here we are a year after an NFL championship, not even played in the postseason. I think there's a lot of people like, you know what, hey, I, I want to pay a little bit closer attention to this. I want, to, I want to feel better about the trajectory of the program. And so I need to kind of keep plugged in. And there's no better place to do that than jeanspage.com. If you, if you subscribe the day before midnight, uh, you get 60% off an annual sub. Uh, that's pretty cool, right? That's a pretty good deal there. 
If you hadn't done that, let me encourage you to do so. Give you some, yes, yeah, 60% off an annual subscription that, that ends today. And I'm late getting the show up, so uh, you don't have a lot of time to waste. All right, let's thank our friend Brooks Bryan. That's a guy that keeps his finger to the pulse when it comes to uh, Mississippi State baseball. Former Diamond Dog in his own right. A guy that knows all about going to Omaha. A guy that knows, man. No doubt about it. Brooks Bryan knows what it takes to wear the uniform, knows what it takes to win at a high level, and he can help you win and live at a high level here in Starkville. Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, it's where I would move. And you said, well, Steve, why don't you move now? Well, I've got the circus tent set up now out here. It's a little difficult to get this show on the road. Plus, I'm lazy, settled in. But the, the reality of it is, is maybe you're not. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I've always wanted a place in Starkville. I've always wanted to have a second home in Starkville, a place where we can all congregate after ball games, before ball games. And maybe I don't want to tailgate. Maybe I just want to have everybody over at the house. Then we'll go to the game and we'll come back to the house. And my kids and you know, my friends can come and stay with us and everybody's got somewhere to be. How wonderful would that be? Maybe you owe it to yourself to give yourself an opportunity to at least gather some information. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. If phase one's completely sold out, your new neighbors are already you know, back into high life again. Phase two, under construction now, got a couple of houses already sold. Some other ones will be completed soon, sooner rather than later. And there's also room for you to pick out your lot and uh, your house plans if you want to do a custom build somewhere. So you got a lot of options right now. But the reality of it is it's not going to last forever. Portico is 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You can't do any better than that. How cool is that, right? Be sure and go check it out. You can uh, find out on your own time, right? You can go by there and turn off of 82 on a 12 like going to campus. The very first right is Pat Station Road. That'll take you to Portico. And, again, you'll find it's just over a mile away. All right, let's take a little history lesson again today. You know, I've had some people that have reached out in the past and said, Steve, you know, I loved it when you talked about McCool Hall and uh, about these great, you know, people that are represented on our campus like Billy Chadwick and Chadwick Lake outside of the Bryan building is named for Billy Chadwick, a former AD who was also the baseball, basketball, track, football coach, everything. He did it all and was unceremoniously fired through no fault of his own through part of the Bilbo purge. But uh, so I wanted to talk about Davis Wade Stadium today, kind of the history behind uh, Davis Wade. And so the, the first, quote, football field we had was actually called Hardy Field. And so the new stadium was built in 1914, and we had this an incredible uh, creative genius here. We called it the new athletic field, <laughs> right? I don't know who Hardy Field represented, and maybe we can find out here. Maybe we can. Maybe we can work together as a group and say, okay, well, Hardy Field – was named after this person, and maybe that's a job for me. But the reality of it is, is Davis Wade Stadium is um, is one of these one of these places that uh, we spend a lot of time. And we don't always know a lot about it, right? So I thought, well, let me just talk a little bit today about this. And um, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't Davis Wade Stadium. So when I was a kid, it was Scott Field, because in 1920, the students passed a resolution. Uh, 
to rename the field after one of our football stars and Olympic middle distance runner, Don Scott. There's a trophy somewhere. There's a trophy or there's, there's something, there's some, or a statue, there's something somewhere that um, maybe is missing from, since we've made the change. You know, Scott Field at Davis Wade Stadium, there's a lot to that. Um, but it was Scott Field when I was a kid. And in many respects, I think it always will be. I mean, we call it Davis Wade. I mean, but it wasn't until 2001 that we dubbed it Davis Wade Stadium. And do you know who Davis Wade was? Well, it's big Mississippi State fan, Floyd Davis Wade Sr., the co-founder of Aflac. Aflac, that's right. It's a Mississippi State guy, right? We talked about Dutch McCool being one of the founders of Holiday Inn, and here you got Davis Wade, a co-founder of Aflac. He made a very large contribution, and so we, we did the expansion. You know, we for a long time, all we had, and you can still kind of see the bones of the old stadium, and we just kind of had the lower bowl. And then we began to expand from there, and uh, thanks to Floyd Davis Wade Sr., we were able to put an upper deck up there. Pretty crazy think that one person could do that for us. And so, you know, we saw it kind of grow. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of plans. You know, they're gonna, we've got to renovate some things on the west side. They're going to gut out, you know, the press row and that sort of stuff. We're going to move. Um, and I like our open-air press box, but I understand, too, us being right there on the 50 probably costs the university some money. Like if they had some more luxury seating or perhaps uh, club-level seating there probably better financially for the university. I'm, I'm not one of these kind of people either that's like, oh, they're going to move my seat. Yeah. You know, I wish we'd move our seat in a press box in, in baseball because our sight lines are so challenged up there. But um, but the reality of it is is that Davis Wade Stadium is probably needing some updating, and you're beginning to see that happen. We were at, at the field this weekend, of course. And uh, on the west side there, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about what's going to happen on the west side. You know, there have been some bleachers that have been pulled up there. But nothing's been put in place yet. Now, supposedly, in the next week or so, we are going to see some uh, renderings about what's going to happen with some of the new enhancements uh, to Davis Wade Stadium. A lot of people have said, oh, it's going to be like the left field lounge. Well, not really. Okay, not really. You may have, like, some clustered seats where, like, you and your family can kind of sit together or whatever, and maybe it's a little more of a you know, picnic-type area. But you're, you're not going to be dragging your coolers up there, and you're not going to be dragging up your, uh, your, your charcoal grills. Okay, that, that's not, from what I understand, that's not what we're planning. So we're not going to have the left-field lounge in that respect. But you know how we kind of have, um, you know, you have your boxes out there? I think that's kind of more in line with what I'm expecting, is it will have like a box for you to kind of sit, you know, with your family, you know, or your friends or whatever. And so I think that's what we'll see. And, again, you know, a lot of those seats aren't getting utilized anyway. So what if we could make it more of a social area to get people uh, to come and, uh, and, and sit? You know, because I don't know that expanding capacity is what we need to do. I think maybe you add some amenities to improve the fan experience, and that's probably the direction that we need to go. You know, Kentucky – renovated their stadium and kind of took things down and you look at Kentucky now it's it's great wasn't always Commonwealth Stadium used to be really rough it looks a lot nicer now especially on TV now that the outside of it not so much 
you know, Mitch Barnhart and those guys got to get that together. But uh, at least on TV, you know, as far, like, as far as visual, like shooting pictures in Kentucky is, is outstanding. Uh, also, too, the, the uh, ribbon boards have all been removed. The, um, the Godzillatron or the Dogzillatron, whatever we used to call it, uh, that is being changed. You know, all those panels are up there being serviced. I don't know if they're just being upgraded or whatever, but um, that's being changed. So there's a lot of things that are kind of happening there at Davis Wade. And so I wanted to take some time to kind of talk about, you know, the history of the stadium and, of course, to kind of where we are. Um, did you know that the record attendance at Davis Wade Stadium, you want to take a guess what that is? I'll give you three seconds. What's your guess? One, two, three. Yeah, 2014 against Auburn, we went to number one. Three versus two, and then we leapfrogged Florida State. For those of you that didn't know, uh, Mississippi State's Davis Wade Stadium, the second oldest stadium in Division I, only behind Georgia Tech. We opened it in 1914, renovated it in 28, 82, 2002, 2014. And, of course, in 2014, that's when we uh, had the south end zone and kind of bowled that end in. I, 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 I'm in favor of us bowling the whole thing in. I've often thought before, and maybe I'm completely wrong about this. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too much of a uh, weirdo. But I would like to see us do something, you know, to kind of close in, you know, that area around the scoreboard there. You know, you got basically three buildings there right now. You got the M Club thing. Okay, we, get, we need to fix that, obviously. But why don't we have a dog pound or something? If we're going to be the dog pound, we hadn't talked about that in a long time. You know, why don't we do something kind of like what they've done at Tampa? You know, that, that looks really cool on television, and that's a really cool thing. So why not, if we're not going to increase capacity, let's do something to kind of make the stadium look a little more finished. And maybe if you want to have that social area up there where people can kind of come and go as they please and you could kind of play off the dog pound thing, you know, that's just me. But I think that we could do something there kind of aesthetically – because we have to be different at Mississippi State. We do. We have to be. We don't have the same resources that many of the people do within our conference. And so I think one of the things you can do to kind of make that a cool thing is to just kind of adopt that. And, again, you don't, you're not having to add, you know, seats. So you're not having more tickets to sell. It's not making Mike Ritchie and his group's job be more difficult. But I think it could be something really, really cool. You know, we talked about me putting, like, a hotel there which would be great. That was something that uh, we checked on, but we didn't. We never really followed through with. But they're still working through some renderings there. I know there's some things they said they've got to make sure that the engineers can kind of sign off on what we're trying to do to make sure that the infrastructure can support some of the things you want to do. And we don't know yet. We don't know. But I think we could be a little more creative, you know, with that end. I, I don't like to see that the stadium – opened at that end maybe that's just me and I don't want to be one of these whiners either I mean I'm always happy that we get a chance to go and compete and and put a good quality product on the field but when I think about fan amenities and I think about adding intrigue I mean you think about how many people wanted to come when we opened Duty Noble Field well then people couldn't wait to see it right and so I think you can do some of those same things at Davis Wade do some things that are maybe a little bit unique that you can't see anywhere else and I, I don't think just bowling it in and putting some more seats is what we need. We're not selling the seats we have. So let's maybe do something a little more creative. And that's just me. Maybe, and maybe you disagree, and that's okay. That's okay. 
Um, so I'll remind you guys too, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. And, uh, you know, we won the College World Series last year. Perhaps you've forgotten. We did. We were awfully proud of that moment. I documented it. I went to every all but four baseball games last year, and uh, those were due to the weather. Three of them were due to the weather. And another one was due to the fact that I couldn't be gone for five straight nights because I didn't get to go to Charleston. Uh, but the reality of it is, is it was a great year, and it is a keepsake. Everybody wants that book, and you should have it already. If you don't, you go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can order one. And while you're there, and again, I got inventory last week. If you're looking to buy Stark Villains, you need to do it now. This precious few of those left, Alpha Dog's kind of right behind there. And again, we're not going to print those books again this year. Maybe next year, and that's just a maybe, right? Uh, you know, there, there's still some a few in bookstores, but uh, a lot of times I'll go to a book signing and the bookseller will say, hey, we need to get some more copies of Stark Villains. And I'm just like, well, you need to make a move sooner rather than later because the warehouse tells me they're almost out. So you can get them direct. Again, you get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile from Dogpile the Book. Bloomsville Leander, of course, available through Amazon, BooksAmillion.com, and Barnes & Noble, also as an ebook on Kindle. And if you're looking for Stark Villains merch, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. I get that a lot, too. People are like, hey, Steve, I see your Stark Villains shirt. Where did you get it? Well, we had it made. And you can go to StarkVillains.com, pick those up. Officially trademarked Stark Villains. All right, that's going to do it for today. And, again, I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll have to figure out what we're going to talk about. I'll probably do some, a, kind of a recruiting break, breakdown and look at some of the offers that we've extended and kind of what our chances are of getting those young men into our football recruiting class. And then we'll kind of uh, look around what's left in college baseball. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.